Good morning, Mercy Road. How are you guys doing? Good? I just love the energy in the room. It's buzzing. We've got families dedicating babies and kids. And man, can we just celebrate all of that this morning? I don't know about you guys, but I'm just excited to be here. Yeah. And I know some of you are joining online right now. And if that's you, welcome. We're so glad that you could join. Share that live because you never know how God could use it to impact somebody. Well, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Nate and I'm one of the pastors here. I serve as teaching pastor here uh, at the church. And uh, something we say every single week around you is that we truly do believe that no one is too far from God to experience life change through Jesus. And that the church, as a church, we desire to be a hospital for sinners and not a museum for saints. So no matter where you're at spiritually, thank you for joining us. We're so glad that you are joining us in person or tuning online right now. Because we believe that if you will lean in, that God can actually speak to you during this time and do something that could impact your life for the better. And so thank you for joining us no matter where you're at today. Well, I don't know about you guys, but we all have certain things in our lives that are maybe passed on to us. And... You might even like start to believe those things and like live them out, but you don't even really know where they came from. And one of those for me that I got passed down to me, uh, which was from a well-known church leader, and he, he had this practice that he believed that the state of somebody's car said a lot about what kind of an employee that person was gonna be. So when somebody showed up to actually interview, they would do this thing where he'd send somebody out to go look at their car and is their car dirty? Is it messy? You know, all of that. Or sometimes he'd throw in the curveball like, hey, do you want to drive and let's go to coffee together? Do you want to drive to lunch or just different things like that to see how their car was? And then based on that, he would judge if they were going to be a good employee or not. And I just believe that. So every interview I've ever had, I'm like waxing my car the night before, making sure it's all clean in case they might go look at my car. And then the older I get, I just realize like, that actually doesn't work that way because maybe their car is messy and dirty because they're a slappy human being or, or maybe they're like me and they've got three kids and like cleaning the van is not really a priority on my list, right? Anybody, any parents in here? The minivan is like just kind of, you know, enter at your own risk and you don't care what happens in there, but it gets everybody from point A to point B. Any parents in here? Yeah. And I've just come to find that as human beings, We are a multifaceted people. I kind of like to think of it like a Rubik's Cube a little bit that has different size and different colors to it, you know, that what's, what's true in one area in somebody's life doesn't always mean that it's true in the other area as well. And I've come to find that as human beings, we just have different sides to us. And I think that's how we came up with the mullet haircut. Somebody really confused was trying to make sense of like, how, how, do I, how do I act serious here at work? But then like, I also want to have a little bit of fun. So they came up with this. That's how they invented the mullet. It's like, he's got this cop thing going on, this long flowy like rock star thing in the back. And we're multifaceted people. We can be like mullets a little bit of time. Like, can't we as human beings? But here's what I find is that the call to follow Jesus And to submit to him and to be a disciple of Jesus means that every single area, every single aspect of our lives need to match a submission to him. That every single aspect of our lives need to reflect Jesus. And sometimes what I end up seeing is that there's a lot of spiritual mullets around us in the church sometimes. Where maybe one area of their lives can look a certain way and reflect Jesus, but then that's not true for another area. Which is why we're going to be talking today about our model 
to follow Jesus? What does it mean to actually be a disciple who follows Jesus in every single area? We're going to be talking about our model to follow Jesus up and in and out. To make sure that every single area of our lives actually aligns to who Jesus wants us to be. What does that look like in every single area? And I find this, that it is easier for me to submit to Jesus in certain aspects of my life than it is in others. Like, it's so easy to submit to Jesus in the moments like we just had in worship. That was amazing. And my hands are raised and I'm submitting to Jesus. But it's a lot, it's a lot harder the rest of the week when somebody's really upsetting me and I feel like I want to tell them off. But I'm like trying really hard to submit to Jesus or something happens or I'm being tempted or whatever it is. And the call to follow Jesus or discipleship is a call to make every single aspect, every single area of our lives submit to Jesus. That's why we have this model here that we're going to be talking about today to follow Jesus up and in and out. And here's what Jesus had to say about following him in Matthew 28. It says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when, he, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And I just want to pause right there for a second that Jesus, what he's saying here. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me is such a powerful statement. It means that there isn't a place in our entire universe where Jesus doesn't have authority. He means that he has authority literally everywhere. And if Jesus has authority in all heaven and all earth, then that means that he needs to have authority in every single area of our lives as well. Every single aspect of your life as a follower of Jesus needs to be submitting to him so that he would have full authority because Jesus' authority demands that all of my life be submitted to him. And he goes on to say this then in verse 19. Jesus says, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And this is a command here that Jesus is giving. It says the 11, but actually... Scholars think there was more like 500 people that were gathered there. And he's giving to every single disciple this command to go and to make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and then to do this, to continue to teach them to observe every single thing that he's commanded them. And then he promises that he is with them. This is a powerful command we have to actually make disciples who obey all that Jesus commanded us. And what I've come to find is that We've taken that a lot of times, and because it's easier to submit to Jesus in some areas than others, what we've ended up with is a spiritual mullet, or maybe what I call mullet Christianity. And mullet Christians produce mullet churches that can maybe begin to emphasize certain parts of what it looks like to, fill out, to live out this calling to follow Jesus and what it means to be a disciple and emphasize maybe the upside of it or the inside of it or the outside of it. And mullet Christians produce mullet churches and Jesus wants us to follow him in every single area of our lives. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, that Jesus wants us to follow him in every single area of our, life, of our lives, and we're going to be committed to obeying all that he commanded us. So I want to ask this question, what does it look like to follow Jesus in every single area of my life? What does it look like for you and for me to truly be disciples that are going to be following Jesus in every single facet, every single aspect of our lives, to submit to his authority? Would you pray with me? Father, we just pause right now to invite you into this space as we're going to be talking about really the call to discipleship and this lifelong journey of following you and everything that we do. God, I pray that you would speak to us so clearly. 
I know there's a lot of distractions in the room right now, and some of us have lunch plans later on, and different things happening, and we're thinking about what's going to be happening tomorrow at work, and all these things. And God, I just pray that you would just quiet our minds and our hearts to focus on this word that you have for us. And God, would you challenge us? Would you convict us? And I pray that you would start with me first. God, would you convict and challenge me? And then would I speak out of the overflow of that? Would you allow me to step out of the way, God, just to give your people, your truth, and your word today. And anything that is not of me, would you remove that? We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. What does it look like to follow Jesus in every single area of our lives? And this text that we read here is what we call the Great Commission in the church. And the Great Commission is the resurrected Jesus coming to his disciples after he went to the grave, walked out of there victorious, and he's giving them his last words before he ascends back to heaven. And he's giving them these words that we just read, which is so powerful. So if we're going to be committed to following Jesus, what does that look like for us? Number one, it means that we need to follow him up. And what I mean by that is that we're talking about the worship or the gathering of us together to worship Jesus. And here's what it says in Matthew 28, verse 17. It says, when they saw him, they worshiped him. And I'm just going to say this, that worship is the only appropriate response to who Jesus is. That there was something so amazing about this Jesus that had gone to the grave, who had walked out of the grave, who had defeated death and conquered sin, and he's standing in front of them, and they see him, and they behold something about his authority, and he declares this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me, and their natural response is to bow down and is to worship him for who he is. See, worship is our only appropriate response to who Jesus is because of the authority that he has because there's no one else in the entire human history who has done what Jesus did there never will be anybody who will do what Jesus did there's no one else that defeated the dead the grave and conquered sin on our behalf and who rose victorious and there's no one else who's been given all authority in heaven and on earth there's no one else that scripture talks about who's been given the name that is above every other name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and he deserves our worship worship is the only appropriate response that you and I bring to the reality of who Jesus is but true worship grows out of knowledge I find it so interesting. They're gathered there and there's, they behold him and most of them are worshiping, but it says that some doubted him. Like they, they weren't really sure, like, what do I do out of that? And I love that Jesus didn't come in and rebuke them or come in and perform another miracle. And all he does is he uses the power of his words to teach them in that moment, which is why it's so important when we gather for worship together in this setting, that we are opening up the word of God. We are proclaiming the word of God because true worship grows out of knowledge. That's why we spend a lot of time as a team praying over God. What do you want us to teach your people? And we spend so much time thinking over the songs that we're going to be singing because these songs declare powerful truths about who God is. And the more we know God, the more our knowledge of God grows, the more we want to worship him as well. True worship grows out of a place of knowledge in our lives. And that's why we're so committed to that. But Here's the thing, too, is that worship is more than just singing. Worship is more than just singing. Singing is certainly worship and grows out of this place of worship to God. But worship, and when we gather here, it's meant to be a launching pad for us to help us to live an upward life the rest of the week. And I remember there was a time in my life when I was in college, and 
God was just doing some things in my heart at the time, and I began to just open up his word and to read his word more, to grow in my faith more. And they had this prayer chapel on campus that I would go to and just spend sometimes hours there just reading my Bible, praying and singing and whatever that looked like in that space. And you know what began to happen is that that began to actually flow over into all different areas of my life where I began to ask questions like, what does it look like, God, for me to follow you in every single area of my life? in my career choices. And now I'm going to choose to spend the rest of my, uh, the time that I've been given here on this earth. And that began to lead me to this life of an outward call to really live and do everything that I do as an act of worship to God. See, worship is about more than just singing. Worship is about living a life where your entire reason for existing is for God's glory and is to worship him in everything that you do. And what we do in this space is just meant to simply remind us to do that. And that's why Romans 12, Paul writes and he says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your whole bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Here it is, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what, the, what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Worship is all about living an upward lifestyle. But there's something really powerful that happens when we gather on a Sunday morning in these spaces to sing together and to worship together. And I just believe that God meets us in this space and moves in a really unique way. And if you weren't here last week, there's something so powerful that happened with James Cheatham in the services last week. And if you don't know who James is, he's married to Pastor Sholanda, who's our kid's pastor who was just up here. And he serves on our worship team. Their entire family is so connected uh, in the life of our church. Really just an incredible family. And we had this moment during the worship set last week where he was uh, praying, but then just felt this prompting from God to just really share a word that was so powerful. And what you might not know about their family is that uh, just this past year, they actually lost uh, a daughter to cancer, Kara. And in the moment, as we were singing about the authority that Jesus has and that there's no name like the name of Jesus, James just felt prompted in that moment to begin to share and to just share this powerful truth that what the enemy intended in cancer to rob Kara of her joy and of her faith and of her life that God actually used it for good and gave her so much faith and so much joy that she impacted literally thousands of lives that have been impacted by Kara's story. And in that moment, as James was sharing that, it was such a powerful moment. I was like, I'm done. We can go home from now. Like, we don't need to preach. We don't need any. It was just so powerful and so moving because when we gather together, when we sing these songs and when God speaks to us and when we declare his word, when we encourage one another, something really powerful happens in those moments. And I know that we live, you know, busy lives and it's easy. It's going to start getting colder here and it snows a little bit. So ah, we're just going to stay home today. But when you stay home, you get to miss out on the power of the body of believers gathered together to worship Jesus. To remind each other that he still has authority over every single area of our lives. To remind each other that Jesus still has authority over cancer and sickness and that trial that you're going through right now. There's something so powerful that happens when we gather together. And I remember for us as a family that a little bit over a year ago, when we were going through pregnancy with my daughter Sage, and we discovered that she had some health issues, some real concerns that we just didn't know what the outcome was going to be. And we're trying to just make sense of it, and we're just processing through that. And there's just so much going on in our lives in this season. And I'm leading a church at the time, and I had those Sunday mornings where I would wake up and I would just think, I just really don't want to go to church today. 
because there's just something about being in that space and having to lead people and having to stand up in front of people and declare God's truth that at, at, at a, a heart level, emotionally, I just was not there. But you know what would happen? Week after week after week, I would show up to church and we would just be in these moments of worship and we'd just be singing these truths that God is faithful. God is good and he's powerful and I can trust him. And no matter what comes, no matter what comes my way, I can stand firm on his love for me and that he has me in the palm of his hands. And even in those times where I couldn't sing myself, just hearing other people's voices around me, declaring those truths, reminding me that I can still hope in God for the outcome, no matter what the outcome of this health situation with my daughter, that I could just continue to hope in God time and time again. And I can tell you those times helped to carry me, helped to continue to keep me grounded in my faith, helped me to continue to believe in God's goodness. Here's what you might not realize is that there's some people in this room, even right now around you, that are walking through trials that you have no idea what they're going through. This may be the burden that they're carrying right now in this room, even as we're speaking right now. And your presence being here in this room, singing these songs, reminding them of who God is, that Jesus still has authority, that they can trust him, that he is good, that he is for them, is so needed. So when you don't show up to church, other people miss out on the impact you could be having on them. So can, can I just challenge us? I know that it's a challenge and we all have families and busy lives and everything, but to make it a priority to gather with the body of believers to worship Jesus because he deserves our praise, our worship. And when you gather in these moments, when you hear his word preach, that there's something he's doing in us to refocus us on him. And there's something that he's using us also to impact hundreds of other people around us. That's why we follow Jesus up and we live this outward call where our entire life becomes an act of worship to him. Number two, we want to follow Jesus in. How do I follow Jesus in every single aspect of my life? We want to follow Jesus in. And when we talk about that, what we mean by that is really the discipleship and gathering with other believers to go deeper, not just to sing some songs and to worship, but how are we actually going to disciple one another to obey all that Jesus commanded us? And we do that primarily here in the context of our huddles. You see, Jesus said, that to, said this to them about growing spiritually together. He says this in verse 20. He says, and teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. Everything, every area of your life submitted to Jesus. That is what the call to discipleship is. Jesus didn't command us to make converts. He commanded us to make disciples that actually know the word, that are deeply rooted in their faith, that understand what it looks like to live on mission for him. And that doesn't happen with us, without us also gathering in the context of a huddle where we can actually go deeper. And our goal as a church is not to get you to attend church. Our goal is to get you to become a disciple of Jesus. So if attending church is all you're doing, you're never going to go deeper in your faith. And so that's why we created these huddles to get people together. And if you don't know what a huddle is, it is a year-long process that you get to walk through together. Some of you are like, I'm out. It's a year-long process you get to walk through together. And I will say this, it is probably the most important thing that we do. Because in the context of a huddle, you can really begin to understand God's word and Ask questions like, okay, we've got this Bible, 66 books written by dozens of different authors over hundreds of years. What does that mean and how do I make sense of it? What does that mean for my life today in this day and age in 2023? How do I apply that and live that out and actually follow Jesus, become a disciple of Jesus? And the huddles are so important. And I'm actually going through one right now myself that Pastor Josh is leading. And I'm getting ready to launch one as well. And I can tell you this. 
I grew up in a pastor's home. I grew up in the church, went to church my whole life. Literally, I went to Bible school, some seminary, and I can tell you that the impact that my huddle is having on me is greater than probably all of those things combined. So if you are not in a huddle right now, you are missing out on the deep growth and impact that God can have in your life to take you deeper in your faith as you begin to surround yourself with other believers to actually talk through what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus in this day and age. And for us here on the team, Pastor Rob is the one that oversees our huddles. And if you want to reach out to him at rob at mercyroad.cc, just ask questions about the huddle. If you're not sure if you want to join one, email him anyways and just say, hey, I'm not sure. I want to find out more information. We would love to connect with you and talk to you more about that because Jesus commanded us not to make converts, but to make disciples who are living out this call to follow him in every single thing that we do. And a disciple of Jesus submits to all his teachings and commands. And in the huddle setting is where the rubber really meets the road. And we're talking about what does that actually look like to submit to Jesus in every single area of your life. And here's, here's what I will say is that this is going to be hard for you to do in this day and age. Following Jesus is hard to do in this day and age, and it's only going to keep on getting harder and harder and harder to follow Jesus in this day and age. Because I would say that God is over here. Here's what all of culture is doing is heading in the opposite direction. That if you follow the current of culture and where it's taking you, it's going to take you further and further away from God. And so if you want to live a life where you're following God, you're going to have to turn around and swim against the current to follow Jesus to actually be a disciple. And here's the thing, you cannot do that on your own. You cannot live the life that God has called you to live on your own without other believers around you that can surround you and encourage you and support you and challenge you in different ways that you can continue to live out this command in your life. And so who are those people for you? Have you found your spiritual community at this church that you're not just attending on a Sunday morning and singing some songs and hearing a sermon and then living, leaving here and then going and living your life, but are you walking in fellowship and community with other believers around you that can continue to help you to grow in your faith? And number three, we're going to be committed to follow Jesus out as well. So Jesus says this to them in verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, that there's a command to actually go and to reach those that are far away from God. If we're going to obey all that Jesus commanded us, it's going to lead us to pursue those that are far away from God. And that means actually going into all nations that Jesus talked about. And as they were to go into all nations and to do this, that they were going to be sharing their faith with people that have different backgrounds than them, of different nationalities, different ethnicities, and different colors than them, different races. All those things are going to be included in the family of God if we're faithful to reach all nations the way that God commanded us to reach all nations. And it's a, it gives us a picture of what you see in the book of Revelation, Revelation 7, in the throne room of heaven, where it says that before God, there was a multitude that you could not number from every tongue and tribe and every nation represented before Jesus, worshiping Jesus. That is where we're headed. That's the image of heaven that we get. So can I ask this question? Why don't our churches look like that more on Sunday morning? That sometimes we can just gather with people that look like us, that we're comfortable with. And if we're going to be faithful to living out this command to go into all nations, and that means that we get together as a church and it should reflect the kingdom of God. And that's one of the reasons I love Mercy Road, because I look around this room any given Sunday morning and not everybody looks like me. And I love that. 
it means that we're setting aside all these different things that culture says and society says ought to be dividing factors and we're saying no we're going to pursue people love everybody because God commanded it to reach people that are different than us and that's a representation of the kingdom and it actually means that we need to go outside of the four walls of the church to pursue those that are far away from God and I love that our church is so passionate about this through our outpost network that we have here where we've got people living on mission sharing their faith meeting the needs of those that have needs all over the area, all over the city. Some of them I don't even know about, but they're doing some incredible things because they're being faithful to do what Jesus commanded to go and to make disciples, whatever that looks like. And here's what I say about the church. If you are a part of the church, here's something that you need to understand about the church is this, that everybody gets to play. Everybody gets to play. What do I mean by that? Many of you know my story that my junior year, um, I came from Africa to the States as an international student, and they had this rule in Illinois that was really annoying that if you transferred to a private Christian school in the area, you were ineligible to compete in sports for an entire year. So for me, that whole junior year meant I got to do all the workouts, conditioning, early morning stuff. It's brutal. You're running all the miles and all of that, and you're coming to all the practices, you're like going to away games and everything, hours and hours and hours of my life. And then you know what would happen on game day? I would wear a tie and get to stand there or get to sit on a bench for an entire year. And it was in the game of basketball too, where sometimes you have like five people out there and they're playing, but then you can have this entire bench of like seven or 10 people just sitting there on the bench sometimes. And I think a lot of times that's what we as a church have settled for. And we've said, only a few get to go play, and the rest of us, we're just going to sit here on the bench. But in the kingdom of God, everybody gets to play. That when Jesus was giving them this command, it wasn't just for the 11 to go do it. It was to everybody that was there. You go make disciples. And that's why we as a church, we believe this. We believe in the priesthood of all believers, which we'll talk about a lot of times. And this grows directly from Scripture, from 1 Peter 2.9, where it says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The priesthood of all believers means that every single person gets to play a part in what God is doing and living on mission. And I look around our churches and there are so many spiritual giants that are sitting on a bench, taking up space in the pews when God has called you to get in the game and to go make a difference and have an impact for him and to actually live on mission. And what would that look like for you? For some of you, this message is for you right now. You are sitting on the bench and what would it look like for you to say enough is enough. I'm going to choose to get in the play because everybody gets to play in the kingdom of God. I think about this, that when Jesus is giving them this command, these were disciples who were many of them young, many of them uneducated, that got passed over by so many rabbis. And so Jesus, this rabbi, calls them. He says, hey, come follow me. I'm going to teach you everything I know. And then at the end of that, he goes, now you go teach others as well. Go change the world for me. Do you think that maybe they would have been intimidated by that? Which is why it's also so powerful that Jesus declares that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. He has all authority over every single area, over everything that he's calling us to touch and to have an impact in. And he says this, I am with you always till the end of the age. That some of you are sitting in here right now and the reason why you're still sitting on the bench rather than getting in the game 
Even though God might be stirring something in you, is because you've allowed fear to keep you on the bench and on the sidelines. And Jesus is saying to you today, I am with you always. That he doesn't just throw us out there and go, all right, good life, go change the world. No, he says, I'm with you through my Holy Spirit that I'm going to give to you. You will be my witnesses when you receive power. That's Acts 1-8 that we talked about. To go change the world, he actually gives us the tools to be able to do that as well. So can I ask you this? When are you going to choose to get in the game? If you've been attending the church for a while now and you love showing up on Sunday mornings and that's it for you and... When are you going to choose to actually get in the game and say, okay, God, I, I want to trust you and I want to take you at your word that you've said you were with me and now is my time that I'm going to lean in and begin to explore maybe what that looks like for me to live on mission in every single area of my life. And if you're not sure where to start with that, Pastor Greg on our team who oversees our huddle network, uh, our outpost network would be a great person to talk to who you can just begin to even explore and say, I don't even know what that looks like for me to live on mission right now, but I want to be faithful to obey Jesus in this area of my life. And can you help me to find an outpost to join? Or maybe there's something new that God wants to start through you. And that begins with saying, I'm going to get off the bench. I'm going to get in the game because everybody gets to play in the kingdom of God. As you do that, I just wonder the kind of impact that we could have in our communities. How many more people we could reach how many more needs we could meet around us if all of us just said enough is enough. We're going to get off the bench, get in the game today. So I just want to challenge you with that. And I might get a little bit passionate here in this next moment. I just want to like give you a heads up on that. And just to know that this is coming out of a place of love and of passion because I believe so much in the local church. And I believe that God wants to do something so powerful, so incredible through the local church to change our world for him, for his glory. So I'm sorry in advance if I might get a little bit passionate here, but just know that word that's coming from. But as I look around and I look at the church as a whole, not just Mercy Road, but the church as a whole. And as I look at Christians and what it looks like to live as a Christian, as a disciple of Jesus in this day and age, I see too many spiritual mullets. And I just want to say this, that mullet Christianity is really not working. Mullet Christianity is no longer working in this day and age. What do, I, what do I mean by that? I mean that I look around and I see different ministries and different Christians and different churches that have chosen to just highlight certain parts of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. And they make that the main thing that they are all about and they neglect all the other areas that reflect nothing about this call to fulfill the Great Commission. And some of them will just focus on the upside of it. So they have amazing worship services where they might gather, they might sing all these songs and worship God. And man, there's the emotional high happening in there. And they do that week after week after week. And that's all they do, but there's no transformation happening in the lives of people that attend those ministries or those churches. Or for the ones that only show up for an hour on Sunday morning. And they expect to be actually discipled by only showing up for an hour. And oh, church went a little long, so I'm going to just skip out during that closing song because I don't want to wait. And they miss out on everything else that God has commanded us to do. All the discipleship, all, all the going in and all the going out that God wants to also do through them and... They can attend churches week after week after week, year after year after year, and they continue to be a baby, an infant in their faith. Because there's no real growth that happens by just attending a service. 
Listen, God didn't save you and call you to attend. He called you to follow him in every single area of your life. So for some of us in here, enough is enough. That we've made the up thing the only thing that we do and we just show up to church to, to worship and there's nothing else that looks different in our lives because we follow Jesus and enough is enough. And it's time for us to say, how can we follow him in every single area of our lives? And then I've seen some ministries or some Christians that will only emphasize the inside of following Jesus. And they're so close with their group of just believers and it's just us and we've just been meeting together and just going deeper and just studying the word and just going deeper for the last hundred years we've been doing that and you look around and they are not reaching anybody else around them that they're all puffed up with so much knowledge about who God is but that knowledge of God doesn't overflow into also embodying the heart of God and reaching the lost around them that they actually read the scriptures that say that if people die and they perish without coming to a knowledge of Jesus, that they will spend eternity away from God and they're happy to hang out in their holy huddles. Rather than saying, how can I go after the lost that maybe doesn't know Jesus, that just needs somebody to, to love them and how can I begin to meet the needs around me and we can begin to gather in these holy huddles and actually not reaching the world when God has called us to go to all nations. So that every tongue, every tribe, every nation will come to a saving knowledge of who Jesus is. And we can begin to fail to live out this twofold mission to share our faith and to help those that are in need. And then I've seen certain ministries or certain churches that will just focus so much on the following Jesus outside of what they do. And these churches are so passionate about, oh, we're, we're the evangelism ministry, we're the evangelism church, and their goal is just to go out there, we're going to go reach the world, and we're going to help people to step across the line of faith, and then that's all people ever get. That there's no real discipleship that happens, and they are not themselves growing in their relationship with God, and they're not growing deeper in the Word, and so we're saving people to the faith, but what exactly are we saving them to? That Jesus didn't call us to go on to make converts, he called us to go make disciples who will learn to obey everything that he commanded them. And these ministries will celebrate. Oh, look at how many people raised the hand this Sunday. Look at how many people we baptized. But then you begin to ask, is there actual transformation happening in the lives of those people? That are just gathering and we can celebrate like attendance numbers and all these things. And how many hands were raised? But are those people actually living out the call to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? And I'm sorry I said I was going to get a little passionate here and I'm not doing that to talk bad about any other church or any other ministry but I just believe with everything in me that Mullet Christianity isn't working any longer. That it is a call for us to be disciples of Jesus who follow him in every single area of our lives. That it's time to chop the mullet and begin to really ask as a church how do we do that and how do we follow him up and in and out and you know I wasn't going to share this story but I really felt like I needed to share this and I don't, I don't share this story to make myself sound any more spiritual than I am. Uh, please don't hear it as that, but about a year ago we were praying through, okay God, what are you doing in our hearts and where are you calling us to serve you in this next season of our ministry? And uh, it was around the same time that Pastor Josh reached out to me. We began to have a conversation over what does it look like to actually come join the team here at Mercy Road. And there was a day where I was just praying through this and I decided to actually drive here to the church and it was pouring rain that day and so I just sat in my car in the parking lot right here in front of the church and just began to pray and just to say God is this is this where you're calling our family to come and to serve you and 
just began to ask some questions about the kind of church that Mercy Road is. And here's what I found is this, that Mercy Road is not a perfect church. There's no such thing as a perfect church. But I found that there's a real commitment here from Pastor Josh, from our pastors, from the board to actually help disciple people that are rooted in Scripture, that are living out the call to be a disciple of Jesus in every single aspect of their life. And the more I began to think through that and the values of the church, the more I began to become excited about what God was doing and calling us to be a part of the team here. And you just need to hear that that is our heart as a church, that we are not going to be a perfect church. We don't pretend to be that. And you can come as you are because all of us are just coming as we are with all of our mess. But all together, we're going to gather. We're going to continue to ask the question, what does it look like for us to be a disciple of Jesus in every single area of our lives? Here's the thing. I have gaps in my discipleship. And you have gaps too. But when we can all come together and help one another and live this upward call and live this inward call with other believers, begin to ask, what does it look like for me to continue to close that gap so that every single area of my life aligns with who Jesus is, that God uses that to grow us, to become more and more like Jesus. God uses that to grow us, to be the kind of church, to be the kind of disciples that he's calling us to be. Mollet Christianity isn't working anymore. It's time for us to begin to lean into every single aspect of our life to make sure that we are reflecting Jesus in everything that we do. Will you pray with me? Father, we pause right now to acknowledge your presence in this room. Father, really, I know I'm a little passionate this morning, but really this grows just out of a place of love for the local church, for the believer who's in here, and this call in our lives to be disciples that go and have an impact in this world for you. God, this, this passion grows out of a desire to really live for you in every single area of my life. And Father, I pray that you'd help all of us with the gaps that we have in our discipleship. For those that are maybe just focusing on the up relationship with you and neglecting the in and the out, would you convict them to make that a priority? For those that need to focus on a relationship with other believers and to go deeper in their faith with you, would you help them to do that? God, for those that need to begin to look out beyond the four walls of the church, as we as a church, Mercy Road, do so often with our commitment to sending over 50% of our resources outside the four walls of the church to reach the world for you, God, would you help them to also buy into that vision, buy into that same passion that you said you so love the world and God, help us to also so love the world as you do, to live out this call outside the four walls of the church. And God, would you help us all to continue to submit every aspect of our lives to you in everything that we do. It's in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen.